morning, church. Who wants to hear the Word of God? Alright. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. We may have them up here. I don't know. Quinn's not. That's right. You're working at that. I forgot. Um, if you're new here, here at Haynes Creek, we believe that this book is written by God. God wrote a book. It's called the Bible, and it teaches us everything that we need to live lives that are pleasing to Him. And so because we believe that, we take one book at a time, and we go through it, we read it together, uh, and we, we mine what God is telling us as sinners, as His redeemed people, and uh, we try to apply that to our lives. That's exactly what we do every single Sunday, and we preach the same message ultimately every single Sunday, and that's the good news that Jesus Christ saves sinners. Um, and so we're kind of redundant in that way. We just do it every week. Because we believe that every single passage in this book comes back to that message. Before we begin this morning, I want you to consider something. It's very possible, it is very possible for your friends, your family, and your co-workers to think that you're a good person. And for you to still be a depraved wretch before God because you secretly love yourself more than Jesus. And no one would ever know. But God knows. If you take pride in how humble you are, isn't that ironic? If you take pride in how humble you are, this passage ain't going to mean a lick to you because this passage we're getting ready to read is for the wandering sheep. This passage this morning is for wandering sheep. This passage we're going to read is intended for the sheep who need the shepherd. The sheep who know the power of sin and they know the power and their need for God's grace. If that's you, listen up. So without any further ado, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, we have reverence for God. And so that's why we stand. Because of the grace of Jesus Christ, because of the work of the Son, we can call the Father, Father. And that's why we stand. And so here, starting in John chapter 10, verse 22, the Holy Spirit says, At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around Him and said to Him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Father, great is your steadfast love. Your unwavering, indomitable, 
all-encompassing, omnipotent, unconditional love. Father, we have hope in you and not in ourselves. We have hope in Jesus and not in our circumstances. We have hope in the resurrection and not in our finances. We find our hope in you because you are love. And we don't have an ounce of love in our hearts if we don't find our soul's rest in Jesus. Father, teach us this morning what Jesus meant when He said, I and the Father are one. Father, these are heavy, deep, precious truths. We need Your power to open our eyes and to understand what Jesus means. And He says, no one will snatch you from My hand if you are Mine. Father, let this encourage us. Let, us. let this passage teach us about You. And Father, allow this passage this morning to increase our love of God and our worship of Jesus. And all these things we ask in Your precious Son's name. Amen. In each of the three major sports... basketball, baseball, and football. If you think there's another one, then I'm... I don't know where you're from. Bob was telling me they, have, they play lacrosse in Atlanta, but I, I don't think that's one of the three. It's football season. I don't know if you've heard. Um, my TV was uh, bombarded with football yesterday. Everybody in the SEC seemed to look really good except for the Kentucky Wildcats, so... Um, but in each of the three major sports, before they teach you how to score the ball, they teach you first how to take care of the ball. It's called fundamentals. That's what it's called. In football, before you run with the ball, they teach you how to do what? Wrap it up. Don't use just one hand. My dad was a running back coach. He hated when people would palm it. Just grip it. Just protect it. In basketball, before you dribble the ball or shoot the ball, if somebody passes it to you, what do you do first? Triple threat. There it is. Right there. I don't know anything about football because I'm from Kentucky, but we do know basketball. <laughs> Triple threat because you can do what? You can pass, shoot, or score. There you go. In baseball, before you throw the ball, you can do what? you got to make sure it's in your hand first before you let it go. In almost every sport I can think of that involves a ball, one of the first lessons they teach you is to take care of the ball. Why is that? Well, I think the answer is pretty clear. We're prone to lose what we think is secure. We have a tendency to get ahead of ourselves. We drop the thing that's most important trying to do other things. The very same thing in life. In trying to take care of things at work, we forget about our family. In doing things for others, we forget about our spouse. In our commitments to the church, we forget about doing things not for other people, doing it for who? Jesus. We forget to secure what's important and we fumble the ball. Here's the good news. That never happened once with Jesus. Well, 
Before the foundation of the world, God the Father gave His Son a chosen people to redeem. And He told them, He said, these are my people I've chosen. Take care of them. Don't lose one. And Jesus didn't lose a soul. Jesus didn't get too busy and suddenly forget about one sheep. He didn't get busy doing miracles and suddenly His priorities got out of whack. Not one sinner, the Father gave the Son, left His hand. In our text this morning, Jesus tells these unbelieving Jews that the reason they don't believe in Him is because they are not among His sheep. In other words, Jesus doesn't fumble the ball. Those who are in His hand do not leave His hand. And if you are not in His hand, it's not that He lost you, you were never His. What Jesus is saying is this, if you do not believe in Me, it's because the Father didn't give you to Me. And if you do believe in Me, it's because the Father gave you to Me before the foundation of the world, and I have you, I'm sustaining you, I'm preserving you, and you're Mine. This morning I want to put forth one truth, one thing. If you don't leave this sermon knowing one thing I said, remember this one. The Son of God will not lose one soul that the Father gives Him because the Father and the Son are one. I'm going to repeat it again. Not because you're stupid, but because I forget things and I'm assuming you do as well. The Son of God will not lose one soul that the Father gives Him because He and the Father are one. Let's look at verses 26 through 27. This is what He tells the Jews. But you do, not believe, you do not believe in Me because you are not among My sheep. My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. The most fundamental difference between a sheep and a goat, between a believer and an unbeliever is what? Faith. If you are in the flock of God, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You have turned to Him. You have clung to Him as your sole source of life. You have repented of your sins. You hate your sin. You love Jesus. You are pursuing Him with your entire being, with all your heart, soul, and mind. And He is your satisfaction and not the world. If you do not believe in Jesus, you may confess with your mouth, but you don't really believe in the gospel, you're not really following His voice, and you're not making time for Him. Raise your hand if there was ever a time when you felt like you had failed as a parent. Raise your hand. If you're a parent and you're not raising your hand, you lie. Raise your hand if you ever felt like you have, you could have been a better husband or wife. Raise your hand if there was ever a time where you felt like a bad Christian. Okay. Raise your hand if there was a time where you were a bad Christian and other people saw it. That's when it hurts, doesn't it? The way that you know you're among the sheep, the way that you know that you are one of the flock of God, the way that you know that you're a true follower seeking after the voice of the shepherd is not by finding your redemption in good parenting or good marriage or good works. You find your redemption by following Jesus and listening to His voice even when your day sucks. Amen. Here's the difference between a goat and a sheep. This is something I'm learning right now in parenting. A goat will feel better about their relationship with Jesus because of their relationship with their children. A sheep will feel better about their relationship with their children because of their relationship with Jesus. 
I tell y'all, you know how parenting has just exposed my little legalistic heart. Because when I'm a horrible parent one day, I will, you, I'll be chomping the bit to get up the next day and be the best parent I, that anybody's ever seen. And guess what? I believed on both days and I was never less a child of God the first day as I was the second day. But my heart on that second day wants to go, okay, now, now God and I are better now. That's legalism. That's not faith. Faith is Abby on the, at the end of the first day going, man, I am a horrible person. Oh, that's why I need grace. It takes time. Faith takes the time in the midst of a horrible day where you failed as a parent or a spouse or a person or a Christian. And you take that time and you go, my goodness, I think this is why Jesus died on the cross for me. Amen. A sheep is not following the voice of their children. A sheep doesn't follow the voice of their spouse. A sheep follows one voice, Jesus Christ. And that voice will influence Every single aspect of your life. My wife submits to my authority as her husband. She serves me, she loves me, but she doesn't follow me. I am not her supreme love. She's a great wife, she's a fantastic mother, but she's a sheep first. This week, when you go into that factory, when you walk in and do your... I guess it would be Monday through Friday this week. But when you walk in that business, when you punch in that clock, when you go to work, you're an American. You're somebody's mama or daddy. You're somebody's friend. You're a member of Haynes Creek. You're an employee. But you are first and foremost a sheep. You're following the good shepherd. And your relationship to the shepherd dictates the way you talk to your coworkers, the way you run your business, the way you run your mouth, the way you do your job, the way you conduct yourself in your home. Because wherever you go, there is nowhere you could be where you are not in his hand. And if you think that you have sectioned off a little part of your life where you can be religious over here and then actually do what you want over there, you ain't a sheep. Verse 28 through 30. I notice I say ain't sometimes when I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> Some, that's a little bit. My wife knows when I'm trying to get a little, little cocky because I'll say sweetheart. She goes, no, 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 you don't call me sweetheart. <laughs> Please don't do that. Verse 28 through 30. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I've had people ask me before, what on earth does the doctrine of the Trinity have to do with my life? Well, here you go. The Son of God will not lose one soul that the Father has given Him because He and the Father are one. If you believe in the good news of Jesus Christ today, you have the assurance of salvation today. You have the assurance that Jesus will never abandon you, forsake you, lose you, because His will and the Father's will are completely one. There is no bond in eternity, in creation, that has ever existed that is tighter than the one between the Father and the Son. 
Every single soul that the Father has chosen to save, every single soul the Father has elected unconditionally to save, will be saved, will be kept, will be guarded by the Son, and you ain't getting plucked from His hand. Our assurance of salvation is built not even on our good works. It's not even built on our obedience. It's built upon the unity of the Father and the Son working together to redeem His people. Jesus says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. That means the devil can't snatch you out of Jesus' hand. The government can't snatch you from Jesus' hands. No financial crisis, no bad situation, no evildoer, no unbeliever, no enemy of God can snatch you from Christ's hand if you but believe in the gospel. And that is good news, church, because I want you to hear me now. Because if Jesus doesn't have me, I don't have me. The idea that we meet Jesus halfway or even 1% is a lie. I am alive in Jesus this morning, friends, because Jesus has me in the palm of His hand and against the powers of evil, against the powers of the world, against the flesh, against death, against Satan himself. Jesus has said, this one is mine and he's off limits. I think one of the most remarkable implications from this passage is that if you are in Christ through faith, you are also in the Father through faith. To be in the Son's hand is to be in the Father's hand. Verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Greater than all. Meaning there's no force on earth, friends, that is greater than the power of the Father. Not addiction, not sexual sin, not someone's past, not someone's words. Not even the power of unbelief can overcome the love of the Father. I don't know about y'all, but my soul desperately needs this truth because there are days... I mean, I know I've fallen short of the glory of God, but there's sometimes I read Romans 3.23... And I go, falling short isn't like making a D on a test. Falling short is, I deserve hell. And I can feel the weight of being unworthy of God's grace. And the only thing that sustains me from despairing over the lack of righteousness in Abi is knowing that I am in the Father's hand and His grace, His grace is sufficient to keep me there. Sticking with the sports analogy for a second. I remember playing sports. I I mean, I was just like any other kid. I played a ton of sports when I was little. And y'all ever seen those parents who they were really, like, invested in their kid's athletic ability? And it was like sometimes it passed between, like, I want my kid to be a good hitter and it crossed into... This is intense. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And sometimes I felt like a parent's disappointment. You'd always kind of see it because the parent would take their kid aside and like yell at them. Or the the parent would like not be approving or loving of their kid if they they swung and they struck out. Sometimes I felt like the disappointment of the parent was so great that the child felt that their worth was tied into their batting average. Or how many yards they ran for. Or how many baskets they made. You know, I'm thankful to say that although my father 
He listens to my sermons online. Even though my father was a good dad, <laughs> very far from perfect dad. But I, 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 one thing I'm thankful for my dad is, I mean, y'all, I was horrible at Little League. I was horrible. My dad used to try to give me advice, and I mean, go right through my legs. And of course, dad was always wrong, and I was always right. Well. And it doesn't matter how bad a game I ever had. I would hop into dad's truck, and dad would go, It's okay, you had a bad game. And he would remind me that he loved me. I never left a game thinking that my self-worth was tied into how many errors I had. I never left a game thinking that somehow my father's love for me was dependent on how much merit or how much um, production I gave. There was no amount of errors I could miss. There's no ball I could miss. There was no pitch I could make that could disqualify me from the father's love. And when I hopped into the truck after every game, and there were so many games, I was always reminded that he was my dad. Please hear me, friends. If believers can lose their salvation based off poor works, Jesus Christ is a liar and sinners can be plucked from His hand. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus Christ is so adamant, so resolute, so determined to let us know that Jesus doesn't lose His church, that He repeats Himself. Verse 28, no one will snatch them out of My hand. Verse 29, no one is able to snatch them from the Father's hand. What Jesus wants you to know this morning is that if someone wants to come and pull you from God's grace, they got to go through the Son and the Father first. Well, This is Trinitarian grace. This is the full force of the Godhead ensuring that you are never plucked from His grace once you believe in Jesus. And for good measure, Jesus says, they're not even able to do it. Your sin may seem pretty dark. Your heart may seem pretty rebellious. Your past may seem pretty insurmountable. But it's not even able to take you from God's grace. The power of the cross is stronger than the power of your sin. Don't we need that every day? If you don't walk in that truth, you don't know what Christianity is. We must walk every single day in the power of that glorious truth, friends. I want to confess something to you this week. I like checklists. I just do. My phone right now, if I had it, it's right there. I can whip it out and there'd be stuff on that calendar. Who's like that? If there's something left that I didn't do, I'm like, ah. It's almost like the day was incomplete. And I I go through it, and there's like my pastoral duties, there's my PhD duties, there's like just all these things. There's things I got to do for downtown, there's most of it's for stuff at Haynes Creek. Never in that calendar, hey, make sure how, how Kelly's doing. Make sure how my, my children, make sure that the children, that my twins, when I walk in the door, that I'm not too busy to pick them up and kiss them. Well. Nowhere in that calendar I was convicted this week that it go, hey, put, 
put, make sure when you get home, put down what you're doing and have a meaningful conversation before you decide what else you're going to do. <coughs> it could be very possible that I could, I could be on that calendar and fulfill every single thing and my heart has still forgotten what's important. I fumbled the ball. Please do not gauge how good a Christian you are by how many things you filled on your calendar. <coughs> That's the road to hell. I find that my sin is most heinous, not necessarily in things I commit, it's the things I forget. That's where the devil wants you. It's easy to look on those people who did things that you wouldn't do, but what about the things you neglected this week? What about the conversation you didn't have this week? What about the person you didn't have time for this week? What about the person you were too busy for this week? There are sins of commission and there are sins of omission. Those are the hard ones because we can't count them. That's why you got to follow the voice of the shepherd. Because the voice of the world is saying, get this done, get this done, get this done. The voice of the shepherd is saying, what about that person over there? The voice of the world is saying, hey, make sure you did this. Make sure you did this. Oh, did someone offend you? Make sure you get back with them. Hey, make sure you're good, okay? Make sure you're, you're, you have the proper therapeutic heart. The voice of the shepherd's going, hey, deny yourself and walk over that person there. Following the voice of the shepherd is a lot harder than it sounds. And in those moments when you find that you have fallen short, and you will, you come back to John 10 and he says, yeah, but you're still in my hand. That is the Christian life. Walking in faith, falling short, needing His grace, following on. Does that make sense? This morning, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, before you ever thought of believing in Jesus, God the Father gave you to the Son. God the Son put you in His hand. Jesus Christ took flesh, shed His blood. He went before you. He called you by name. He breathed His Spirit in you. He presides at the right hand of the Father, interceding before you. And all that took place before you even thought of Jesus. And all you've got to do is repent of your sins and believe in it. And if you do that, you have the promise that you're guarded by the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> Will we listen to the voice of the shepherd or the voice of the stranger? Will we walk in grace? Will we walk in the power of the Father and the Son to keep us near, or are we going to try to walk our own path? Will we be Christians or won't we? If you have never repented of your sins and believed in Jesus, come down and do it right now. What better offer can you get? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you and your Son are one. And by that same power, power of the Holy Spirit, we the church are one. Let us be one mind. Let us be of one accord. Walking side by side in the precious gospel that says, you will never drop us, you will never lose us, and it is impossible for anyone to come and snatch us out of your hand because you've loved us before we could even love. 
Father, this morning as we go and we leave and we prepare for a short week, remind us that You've done all the heavy lifting. And there are things in this life, things that You've done for us that we may never be privy to. But You don't ask that we understand it all, but You do ask for faith. Father, give us the faith to follow after the voice of the Good Shepherd. And all these things we ask in Your Son's name. Amen.